gosh, the Undertaker is absolutely beside himself. You know, I, no one has ever gotten inside the Undertaker's head like this. Nobody's ever stood up to the Undertaker like Shawn Michaels has. I gotta wonder, is Shawn Michaels have a death wish or is he really Mr. WrestleMania? Is he really gonna, I mean, look at the Undertaker. I've never seen him like this. Welcome to the Pull Apart Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with Ladies, I'm here. <laughs> this is James Prophet. And we are here to discuss part three of The Undertaker. Not TNA Impact and why it sucked in 2010? That's next week. Okay, alright, cool. Some, some dude named The Undertaker. <laughs> so Josh, how you doing? Versus right, Shawn Michaels. Um, I'm good, I'm tired. Uh, per usual, middle-ish to age fathers. It's uh, par for the course, right? We're just tired all the time. Pretty much, yeah. So I was just talking to Josh, telling him that I worked 6 to 6 today. Such a show-off. I kind of forced myself to take breaks, which I think makes me a better employee, even though I don't always do that. I'm a little tired, too, <laughs> bottom line. But at least we have a good food to talk about, so... We do. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. We're going to cover Royal Rumble 2007, a little bit of 8... And then WrestleMania 25 on this episode, as well as No Way Out 2007 and the Monday Night Raw rematch of that main event. So Josh, before we get started, what do you think about everything? Well, so full disclosure, we are recording two episodes tonight. That's the plan. So <laughs> It's uh, 8.45. We are starting early for us. Is it 8.45? Yeah. All right. We're going to be fine. <laughs> so I have the full breadth of the feud in my head right now. Okay. So I'm trying to put myself where I was at the beginning of Royal Rumble 07. Okay. If you remember... We were probably at our friend Tim's house. What's well, up, Tim? Well, no, not <laughs> like, I mean, like, at the end of our last episode. Okay. Headspace-wise, so, like... We had just finished Royal Rumble 2008, where Shawn Michaels... No. I'm sorry. No, Royal Rumble 1998, <laughs> where Shawn Michaels gets his back injury in the casket match. Right, right, right. And he's out for five years. Well... <laughs> After that Four WrestleMania. Four years, but Taker takes liberty with it and calls it five years. <laughs> Spoiler. Okay. Yep. And I think you had previewed a little bit of what happens in 07, right? So stay with us. Okay. My five-year plan <laughs> finally coming into an end. Well, I mean, I did four and a Actually, I had a guidance counselor tell me in college, no one does it in under five years anymore. And I did it in four and a half. That is definitely a guidance counselor move from <laughs> NKU. <laughs> the guidance counselors don't know about now, can't speak for them, but at the time, notoriously horrendous i'll say i had a really cool one he uh i did this trip to cambodia and he and his church gave me money for it so awesome. i liked mine yeah yeah i'm sure he loved your tuition that extra happy i'm sure year. he didn't benefit from it <laughs> all right so 07 07 rumble so here's josh you want to set this up what happens sure so this is Actually, before we get going, sure. I want to ask you a personal question. Just a little one. 2007, what was your relationship with pro wrestling during your senior year of college? 
Well, I, as you know, and I feel like I've said before, I was um, always chasing a girl in college. Okay. What was, can I ask the name of this one? Oh, I don't know. This will be on, uh, It'll on be record on for, for forever. But in no, 07, I when I... promise no matter who you say, I'll go, bitch. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. In, in 07, it was definitely Marla, uh, Marla towards the end of my... Oh, gosh. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so... What I was getting at was, my level of interest in wrestling was second year level. Either, of you know, very much so if they were into wrestling, okay. which was pretty rare, or if I was just completely over girls for like a week, then I was definitely like hardcore back into wrestling. Okay. Um, but that being said, Royal Rumble is my favorite event of the mm-hmm. year, and so I. Always go to those, regardless of my week-to-week interest of wrestling. At right, the time. yeah, yeah. So, and with, well, let me think, 07, no, there wasn't any hint of Sean retiring, but I know there towards the end I was definitely, like, paying a lot more attention to him because he's my dude. That's right. That's so, right. Also, I'll What s- about you? Were you into wrestling in 2007? <laughs> I was. I will say, you mentioned that you always come back for the Rumble. For years, I've kind of been a proponent, probably decade and a half now. I think that wrestling has a season, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you tune in, it used to be January 1st, but now I'd move it back to the TLC pay-per-view in December. Mm-hmm. Tune into that, and you watch through the Raw and SmackDown after SummerSlam. If you're watching the week-to-weeks, I think you can effectively tune out there and just catch the specials to keep up, and you're fine. So you don't care about the Survivor Series, James? No, I do. I just don't think you need to watch the week-to-week to get gotcha. the point out of it. Now, I gave up watching week-to-week years ago anyway, uh, when I got married pretty much. I watched clips, you know, online. I used to fast-forward through episodes for like a year or two, two or three, I guess, two years when we had cable. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that you just said you always come back for the Rumble. I'm always more engaged, I think, from the Rumble through SummerSlam, up until the last couple years, where I think because of New Japan, because of NXT, and because of the way WWE is structured now, where you consistently have these predictable, like, uppers sometime around October, it's been pretty good. Do you think they need an off-season, James? I'm just kidding. We need to go down that road. No, I mean, yeah, I'm (laughs) pro-off-season for the sake of the wrestlers. You and Roman. Um, Okay, so 07. What I was going to ask you about this Rumble, so when we do these playlists that James painstakingly Lovingly, puts together, painstakingly. Yeah. Um, you'll put, so for example, so peek behind the curtain, Royal Rumble 07, last 10 minutes or something like that, or, you know, first 20 minutes of Raw, whatever. So for this one, I think you had put pretty much the end of the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did not watch the entire thing, only because of time. Okay. Um, so I don't know, like, going into it, who was the favorite, who was, um, surprise entrance, all that fun stuff, but I will say that this is, I think, my favorite ending to any Rumble ever. I would agree. I mean, okay, so the Royal Rumble started in 1988, and they've had at least one every year. Normally it's one a year, but... Maybe two or three times there's been an extra one for one reason or, or like another. the like a mini one. Or like the greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah, there was the greatest Royal Rumble. There was the corporate rumble on an episode of Monday Night Raw in the Attitude Era. And there was a 15-man SmackDown Rumble going into WrestleMania 20, that Eddie Guerrero one. But typically, once a year, 
last week of January, Flair gets the title shot at WrestleMania. That's so much fun. It is so much fun. 30-person match, it's a great time. So I have a question um, about this Rumble specifically. I heard a few times people in passing say, I guess the commentators, that the winner gets to choose, choose the main event of WrestleMania. Was that a thing they were doing there for a little while where they didn't want to mention a specific title or even a title at all? Well, but it was just that you got a chance at the main event? No, so it's always been for the title shot, okay? Right. And the equation is that, well, the title equates the main event. In practice, mind you, this has not happened very often in the last 10, 15 years, okay? So going back to, say, start WrestleMania 22... Winner of the Royal Rumble did not get the title shot. WrestleMania 23, winner of the Royal or got the title shot, did not get the last match. So right. the way Mania works is there's multiple main events anymore. But if we're going to narrow it down to one, you could say what goes on last is the main, right? Right. So the winner in 06 didn't close out Mania 22. Winner in 07 didn't close out Mania 23. Winner in 08 did not close out Mania 24. Winner in 09 did close out Mania 25, and that match sucked. Winner in 10 did not close out. Winner in 11 did not close out. Winner in 12 did not close out. 13 did. 14 did. 15 did not. James is just making all of this up on the spot. Oh, right. 15 did, but then 16 <laughs> did not. And I'll stop there. Uh, 18 did not, I know. 17 did not. This year? What so, was this year? This year, this past year, the Rebel I'm winner was Seth Rollins, and he opened the show. That's right. But Becky Lynch won the Rumble, and she closed the show. So you could say that the winner this year did. Nice. Okay. Okay. So anyway, Becky Lynch, uh, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte was a cool match. Along those lines, I'm sorry, we're sidetracking already, and we're like we're two, so, two bullets in. But I feel like we're just talking in circles right that's now. That's all right. We need to find some direction. Um, well, this will not help, but JR, <laughs> a few times I've noticed JR... Hey, everybody. Several times. By the way, thank you for listening to the podcast today. Did you ever listen to his podcast before the Conrad Thompson version? Uh, that's the only time I listen Okay, we're sidebarring again. So, Jim Ross, the way he would start his podcast was like what I just said. It was frightening. Like, you would hit play, and there'd be two seconds of silence, and then he would yell his hello. Can you, I reenact this really You quick? gotta drop an audio clip of this. Um, Alright, I'll try drop an audio, yeah, but just in <laughs> but case. It's, hey everybody, Jim Ross here. I want to thank you for downloading the podcast this week. I think you just woke up your baby, James. Oh my gosh, I hope not. <laughs> I might get a text from my wife saying like, hey, Quiet down. I would You're... love it if you woke up your baby by doing a JR impression. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, so JR on commentary a few times would call this the World's Championship. Did you notice that? Or is. So this I'm is not being mean, but I didn't know if he are. was having some neurological issues or if that was okay. like. Are you talking about when The Undertaker had the title going into. Yes, yes, 26. So we are ahead of There time. were two belts. There right. was the WWE Championship and then the World Heavyweight Championship. Right, yeah, the WCW belt, right? Right, so they would call that the World Heavyweight Championship. So but He was calling it the Worlds. He's just shortening it. Okay. He's like, fine. No, I mean, he would say the World's Championship belt. And he said it like. Wait, he said several, several belt? times. Well, I don't know about belt, but anyway, it caught me off guard because I was like, "Worlds 
it's just world heavyweight. Like, why are you saying worlds? Anyway, okay, so. These are the things we get hung up on, on yeah. as wrestling fans, I make by that, the way. I make that some of the dungeon. I, I don't know why I was thinking the other day for a new wrestling fan. I think it probably takes like three matches to get used to somebody running back off the ropes. Like, yes. you know, there's suspended logic with anything. And so with wrestling, if you get thrown into these ropes, you magically bounce back. Right? Right. So that's one of the wrestling things. <laughs> I will say, I love it when, you know, there's people that, and I love New Japan, but people that love, like, stuff like that, that try to give crap on WWE for all these ludicrous things that would never happen. Right. The response sometimes is, yeah, and also, like, if you sling somebody off ropes, they don't just bounce back. Like, essentially, all of this is dumb, so get over yourself. <laughs> also, New Japan does have its faults, and one of them about to bring up, I really like... <laughs> But it's stupid. They have something called maintaining wrist control. Oh, James. Which means you're My holding car somebody's like wrist. 20 feet away. Are you going to drive off? I'm just going to get out of here. You... I love that. I think it's a great, <laughs> great concept. Like, oh, Okada's maintaining wrist control. He's just holding the guy's wrist. We will talk a lot about paralyzes his wrist arm control in a future feud or two for sure with that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, man. I love it. Okay. Okada Omega. So, One of these days, man, we're going to do it. Let's see here. So, comes down to the final four. We'll just skip all of them. All right, so right? Ru- let's actually... Well, final five. Can I preface this really yes. quick? Okay. Rumble 2007. Going in, the champions were Edge and John Cena. Okay. Yeah. So, with the options available, Triple H was injured. The two favorites for the Rumble match were The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Because he kind of figured those are going to be the two title matches at Mania... So one of those two has to win. And so Rumble 2007 happens. They get down to the final five. And Josh, you want to take over? So comes down to Sean Undertaker, the beautiful edge. <laughs> Randy Orton. Randy Orton. I have no idea who the fifth one is. No, I'm thinking of... Uh, no, I'm I'm thinking of Legacy later on in the feud. So it is those final four. Rated RKO, Edge and Orton. They were a team at the time. Yeah, and I think they were... The, were they the champs or just a tag team? Anyway. They were attacking champs, and some people thought that one of them would be the favorite. Like, some people really thought that either Orton or Edge would kind of do a triple threat with John Cena, and giving them the Rumble win would be a way to get one of them in that triple threat match. I think Orton was always a safe bet in those days for to win a Rumble. Gosh. So, Sean is out of the ring somehow. He's not over the ring, over the ropes, but he's out. Orton hits Undertaker with a chair shot um, because apparently they hadn't learned anything about CTE in the past 10 years. <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that because AEW hasn't learned anything about Moving CTE on. in the past 10 years either. Uh, there's this really cool spot where Taker grabs Orton for a choke slam okay. and Edge spears him. Yes, that was uh, great. Love that. Uh, Sean comes back in, kind of stumbles in. And, and Orton, at this point, he has a chair, right? Right, yeah. They I had forgot the part chair. where Sean came in just to get an RKO and bounce back out of the ring. But yeah, Orton's got a chair. Or no, he runs at Sean, and Sean, Sean backdrops him out. Yeah. And yeah. Edge is holding the chair at this point. Right. He, Edge swings the chair, Sean ducks it. Gets chin music. And chin, yeah, hits sweet chin music on Edge, who flies over the top rope. Sean collapses in exhaustion. Taker's down on the mat because he had just gotten leveled with the chair. And we're down to the final two. It's the two favorites. And for the first time since 1998, January, it's Shawn Michaels and Undertaker in the same ring opposed to each other. 
and I, I feel like maybe this is just uh, adding something that wasn't there at the time, but I feel like the fans are like starting to sense like, ooh, like those two in the ring together, that could be cool. Yeah, so it's funny, like the brands were separated at the time. Taker was always on SmackDown, Sean was always on Raw, so they didn't share a show. The two of them never crossed paths. Right. Going in, they were the two favorites, but even as a fan, like with the stories, the way they were being told, what your attention was being drawn to, it never occurred to me we might get Sean Taker for a minute on this thing. That's a, like that's really awesome how they did that. I don't know where in the timeline they decided that that was going to be Mania match, but the fact that they did kind of throw everybody for a curve and be so successful. Yeah, and the Mania match was not for another two years after this, so. This was some long-term planning. They were planting seeds for later. Actually, my wife asked that as we were watching the very end of this feud, so maybe I'll save why she asked it. But just the how long do they plan in advance question, which I thought was kind of interesting because there's been some talk of that over the last year or two with New Japan being more popular. Okay. That being the rep that they get is that they do such a good job of planning out for a whole year. And the criticism of WWE warranted or not is that they don't plan that far in advance um so this was kind of yeah we talked about this with brett and owen so they do and they don't and there's pros and cons to planning that far in advance okay so one thing wwe will do and bruce pritchard has talked about this is if they know they want to do something they'll plant seeds like way early and they'll just sort of water them along the way so when hogan won the belt in 1984 okay it was, I believe, later in 84 or very early 85, there was like a Madison Square Garden interview with Andre the Giant, and they say, Andre, have you ever thought about being world champion? And Andre's a good guy, you know, no signs of turning bad. He says something like, you know, people have asked me that, and I never wanted to be champion, I just wanted to be the Giant, but maybe one day, maybe one day I'll go for that. And that, the only reason they put that in there, they put that on TV, was because they thought, okay, at some point, we could probably make some money off Hogan Andre, so let's just plant a seed, and we'll wait till it's the right time. So that was like 84, 85. They didn't pull that trigger until 1987. Well, and one thing I I love about wrestling is there's so many moving parts and characters and everything that it doesn't have to be intentional, right? So this And that can work out for the best. Oh, hey, we've got something here with, like, Sean and Taker. Let's just run with it, you know? Yeah. As opposed to, because if you plan everything out, sometimes injuries or uh, wrestlers just not performing as well as you expected them to, then you're kind of stuck with something that you have to ad hoc later, you know? Right. And so I'll give a good example, bad example of, like, planning things out, how it's good sometimes to not do it, okay? Kofi Kingston, this year's WrestleMania, Right. the plan was Kevin Owens uh, to get the title shot. But then Kofi suddenly became the hottest wrestler in the company in a matter of, like, two shows. Yeah. And so they changed their plans on the fly to give Kofi the title shot mania, and that was a very smart move. Conversely, over in New Japan, which Josh and I both love, we're not here to crap on New Japan, you know, they booked Naito to get the Wrestle Kingdom 12 title shot. They had this great long-term story going into it. But they thought, you know what? Kenny Omega would actually be a better conclusion to Okada's title reign. But they had already gotten to Naito. And so, like, a year maybe out in advance, they planned for Kenny to get the belt at Dominion. 
And so with that, they're like, all right, we're going to stick to that year out plan. And Naito really, his career took a huge hit. Lost steam. Yeah, he had all this momentum going into Wrestle Kingdom. And when he lost clean without really any character development on the back end, it was actually this weird character regression that barely made sense was kind of their excuse for an out. It was... It was bad. Well, it hurt Naito. I don't think he's recovered yet from it. No, and and at the same time, uh, Omega wins, but he's already have one foot out the door. Yeah, so he's he gone. doesn't get a good title reign either. So you're kind of like both of those were a loss. So so yeah, WWE's not always wrong. I guess James. They're not always wrong. Okay, so anyway, Sean eventually gets Chan Music on Taker, uh, goes for a second one, and Taker ducks. Dumps him outside. Yeah. He's the winner. So this whole thing took about 10 minutes. It's, I agree, best finishing sequence of any Rumble. It's almost like a mini match at the end of the Rumble. <laughs> you get this own mini bonus Taker Sean match. I can only imagine being there and kind of having that, holy crap, what am I watching moment. Because if you're a wrestling fan, those are the two legends, you know. Right. That'd be like if, I don't know, I suck at following basketball anymore, but like if 1992... The Celtics were playing the Bulls, and all of a sudden, this might be, yeah, 92, I think. Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, after the game, just went like, you know what, let's play Pig. And just, you had 20,000, 30,000 people there watching MJ and the Bird play Pig. Yeah. All right. So, So, Royal Rumble 2007 happens. Taker wins. Uh, Taker announces who he's going to get his, or who, which title he's going after two weeks after that, I think. Funny bit about that, they actually, they lined up the champions when the Taker made it, when Taker made his decision. They had John Cena, they had Batista, and then ECW champion Bobby Lashley was included in the row of champions. Awesome. And how the mighty fall, the next year for the Royal Rumble, the ECW champion was in the match because it's so clearly not a world title. Who was that? Chavo Guerrero. Oh, yeah, um, I don't think anybody was thinking that Undertaker was going to pick Bobby Lashley, but I guess you never know. Well, Donald Trump picked the great Bobby Lashley. <laughs> I'm editing that <laughs> to out. Be, <laughs> to be his wrestler. So no way out, 07 happens. All right, so, yeah, how it works is Taker decides to fight Batista, right? Right. Uh, Shawn Michaels wins a triple threat match against Edge and Randy Orton to be the number one contender for WrestleMania against John Cena. And it's just kind of announced that the general managers come to an agreement and they're going to make each of their WrestleMania main event guys team with each other to face the other brand's WrestleMania main event guys. So it's Batista and The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels and John Cena. I thought this was really fun. Oh my, the crowd was lit for this match. Everybody got Hulk Hogan 1987 reaction on their way out to the ring. So, so James, you know I'm a big Shawn fan. I do have guy. one you know he screwed, right? glaring criticism of Shawn Michaels that oh, I have takes a lot place. of those as we're going into WrestleMania 26. Oh, man. Well, my, Not critically, just character-wise. He starts acting like Romeo. He just does these unnecessary, oh, stupid decisions. So I actually do have a few other ones, but this one's more of a joke, but also like not really. Mm-hmm. When he was in this time period, in his singles matches... He should have never come out to the DX song. It bothers me so much that he has such a classic, sh- classic theme song, and it's coming out to the DX music. 
wearing his DX gear. It just really bothers me. Alright, so that's so funny. Okay. One of the notes I have later on, and I'll just cover this now since you brought up the theme songs. I wrote, would it have killed Shawn Michaels to get new theme music when he came back in 2002? What are you talking about, He's James? like, alright, so in 1996, <laughs> he was 30. Right. Okay? 30, 31. I know where you're going. So, he's like late 30s, you know... In 2002, he's like 36, 37. Well, by the time we get to this 2007 match, he's in his 40s, right? Right. And he's killing it, man. He is great. He's probably the best he's ever been. That being said, I don't want to hear boy toy. him singing his own song about being a it, sexy it boy. It is very weird. Well, he's also like real-life born-again Christian, and that's kind of playing into his character a little so bit. So I have a lot of notes throughout the next two episodes on Sean's attire. Okay. Um, but as far as the music itself goes, it is very strange, but it makes... It's glaring. Like, it takes you But it makes you... Out of it. For me, it makes me laugh, and for sure it makes my wife laugh. Okay. It's just kind of like... Your wife singing that song. Takes the... Uh, it, like, takes the piss out of everything. Like... I want to hear you sing that song. I'm not singing No, come on! So, like, it's like... Like you said, it's like a f- almost... Well, during this, at one point, 40-year-old guy dancing around to this song with, like, chaps and, like, right. unzipping them and, like... It's all just so weird. Um, he definitely could have used some evolution in his, like, gimmicky side of his character. Okay. I think he definitely had evolution in his character in general. For sure. But, yeah, the the boy toy. All but, they had to do was take out the lyrics. They could have had a wordless so thing that is a good, up the guitar. I was going to say, I think that is the idea. It's, like, the beginning of it. And you know how, like important dun, beginning dun, of dun, a song dun, is like dun, you know dun, Vince dun, is on the mic dun. and on Raw and somebody's music hit like that's super important yeah and his is so classic that I think they just didn't want to mess with that but they could have kept that exact same intro and then just mixed it up a little bit this you it, know Sean even screws himself all he had to do <laughs> was change his theme song and he didn't well for what for what it's worth the DX song was not any better with uh you know the video that they show every time with whatever you want to call it the what am i trying to say the lewdness or whatever of the video <laughs> doesn't make him look any better that's true that's true okay so all right so yeah no way out 2007 all four guys get superstar reactions coming out and that was really cool uh so and this is the magic of the wwe and what i feel like they do better than anyone else they'll hype something to where it feels like a really big deal when the bell rings right so even if it's not great it feels epic sometimes right so this is a one-off random tag match i hadn't watched since it happened and man i was on the edge of my seat for this thing and it's a very good match it's really good yeah and and what i love obviously it ends up happening but you're not like it makes sense that they're tagging together like yeah, general managers agree. Neither one of the teams like each other right. as their partner. But like But they want to win this they big, want to epic win. match. Yeah. So that like is enough of a driving factor for it to make sense. They're not constantly like shoving each other around and all that stuff. They're in it as if it were a normal tag match. Right. And Undertaker's entrance for this thing is cooler than a lot of his WrestleMania entrances. I, I just like have, fire bursting all over the yeah, place. It's kinda weird. I I don't I don't mean this as a criticism, but I think it's just kind of odd 
seeing Undertaker in a tag match. Like, I know he had stuff with his brother and everything. Yeah, but, Kane, Brothers of Destruction. You know, he wasn't like, he's not like the Young Bucks or somebody that's been a tag his entire life. Right. So there's a few moments that are kind of funny where he, he almost looks like he's in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Like, oops, I didn't know I was supposed to stand over here. Or whatever. It's just kind of funny. I mean, really, all four of them are like that. But yeah, I mean, Sean was a tag. You know, he was a tag guy, and for a Brett while. was too. I guess so. Not Brett. God, <laughs> he was in this match. We can't not talk about Brett on Brett an just episode. Freaking, he's like uh, even at his own funeral, he would want to be <laughs> the center of center of attention. He, he, he at least is on our <laughs> show. It seems like. <laughs> So right at the start of the match, Michael Cole says this match will probably never happen again. Funny thing about that. Yeah, it happens. Like, yeah. The next and month. it takes about three minutes to get Shauna Taker in the ring together here. And Jim Ross, or JBL, immediately starts talking about Hell in a Cell. So they're acknowledging the history. This is, again, just like a little seed yep. that they're planting. Um, okay, so after that, see, Cena, Taker, have an exchange. It goes back to Shauna Taker. And it's pretty great, again, and the match on the whole, like we said, really, really good. Uh, the crowd, we mentioned that they were an amazing crowd. They were buzzing this entire match. So, like, they were either screaming, cheering, booing, or just, like, there was a buzz in the air. For whatever reason, this match really captured the what's going to happen dynamic that all the best matches have. Um, there's an amazing bit at the end where Batista gets busted open. And Cena locks him in the STF, and Taker breaks it up with a stomp. Then John Cena tags out. HBK hits the top rope elbow on Batista, and then the play. Okay, there is so much pride here at stake with each team wanting to prove that their one-on-one match at Mania is the true main event of the show. When Sean hits that top rope elbow, Taker knows how it feels, and he wants to win. And he doesn't like or trust his partner, so he's frustrated, which is a state we hardly ever see The Undertaker in. And so Undertaker being frustrated is like, oh, we never see that. And that's cool, because the next time we see it is WrestleMania 25, and the whole build to that. So anyway, that's really fun. Do-do-do. So yeah, Taker frustrated. Like, count on one hand in 28 years, every number of times his character look frust- has looked frustrated. Right. And so that was a cool thing to see. Speaking of this exact, well, not No Way Out, but the Rumble 07, I had been telling my brother for the last, like, two or three weeks to watch that ending, because it's awesome. Yeah. And for context, my brother's like a, I used to love wrestling, but I don't any, don't watch anymore, so he loves, like, just watching a random clip like this. So he just watched it. Okay. And he sent me a text that said, amazing, loved it, which match of theirs should I watch? <laughs> Did referring say, to Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker so he said hell in a cell question mark if you had to recommend one Undertaker's Shawn Michaels match what would you tell him I would say Wrestlemania 25 okay what would you say I don't know because that hell in a cell and ground zero I all have it five stars though yeah um well I don't know I let's just say like when I had thought about maybe I was lukewarm on those okay mania matches yeah my opinion hasn't changed all that much it hasn't so we'll get to that yeah so I don't know that I would recommend that but anyway go ahead James we're right, talking about so no way anyway out. yeah Taker is frustrated and if you're in the Undertaker's shoes okay. He's won the Royal Rumble. 
he got to pick what title he goes after, but now he's stuck in this match where if he doesn't win, people are going to say, oh, that's not the real main event of WrestleMania. Right. It's a title match, but the other one's the real main event. And so he's kind of pissed that it's not going his way. So when Sean hits the elbow and Taker gets frustrated, there's this great moment where Taker yells at Batista to get up, and then Sean glances at him, and The Undertaker throws an, an arm over and points at Sean yep. really that angrily. That was like the first, like, Yeah, whoa. almost telling him, like, lay off, I beat you at the Rumble. And then Sean, in, like, a great character moment, says, like, yeah, well, screw you, you gotta do it again now. And he goes right back to beating up Batista and throws a cross chop at The Undertaker. So it was really, like, the first animosity between them. Yeah, since yeah. a decade ago. All of a sudden, it's personal, because right. Undertaker feels like, all right, I finally beat him, and, but Shawn, everybody loves Shawn Michaels. The spotlight's on him again. Yep. Breaks into a four-way brawl at the end, Batista and Taker take over, and basically, they're each ready to put either Cena or Michaels away. When Batista spine busters the Undertaker to pay off an angle from two weeks prior Hold on, and smack sorry, him right before that, I have to say, it was awesome. There's a spot where Undertaker has both Cena and Sean by the throat, and he tosses one of them to Batista. Batista gives him the is it the Batista bomb, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taker gives Taker the thumbs down. Yes. And Taker, <laughs> Taker. Way, we chose... know this episode's a lot different. We're sort of just like talking about a lot of TV stuff right now. So sorry if it's a little tedious this week. It'll be fine. Uh, Taker chokes on Cena, and then Taker does the throat cut sign. Mm-hmm. to Batista, kind of like, we just did awesome, but you're next at me, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's when Batista snaps and he gives him the spine buster. Chin music and the, is it the FU or the AA? I can't remember. It's the FU at this point. Time, <laughs> uh, for the win. FU short for, should we put the E by this episode? <laughs> yeah, we'll put the E by. So, yeah. All right, yeah. Just the FU. All right, just the FU. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and that's the end. Nothing really else ha- really else happens. Uh, they have the rematch on Raw seven twenty two, like three weeks after that. It's the main event. Crowd's lit once again. There's not really any interaction between Shaw and Taker to speak of, uh, but it's a fun 10-15 minute segment nonetheless. But Josh, I wanted to ask you ask you WrestleMania three. Which match did you like better, Sean Cena or Batista Undertaker? What? I mean, no, this wasn't part of our playlist. But just, I thought you said WrestleMania 23. I'm sorry, I was like... Sorry, 23. Hold on. Um, We're all grown up from WrestleMania 3. I was like, hold on. Okay. You have the memory of which one you liked more? Yeah, I mean, it's Sean and Cena. Cena. Yeah. I liked that one more, too. Yeah. Batista Taker normally gets a lot more love. So Sean Cena closed the show, but yeah, Batista Taker generally in the online world gets... Well, you know Taker's going to win, right? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. And then the next year, we fast forward to the 2008 Royal Rumble. So in 07, Sean and Taker were the last two in the ring. In 08, one draws number one and the other one draws number two. So this year, they're the first two in the ring. And that yep. had never been done before. Last two to first two. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, and Sean has a history of being a... An Iron Man. Yeah, an Iron Man in Rumble. First so guy ever to go from one and then win the whole thing. Kind of wonder if, like, hey, he got close last year. Maybe this will be another year where he goes all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Santino comes out. Yep. Number three. Gets chin music and Taker throws him over. <laughs> so that was really fun. Um, I miss Santino. I know you do, James. <laughs> the... 
hey Matt, hey Cheryl, I know you guys don't listen, which is fine. That that is very logical, given that you don't like wrestling. But I know he was your guy for a minute. Yeah, so they basically kind of are showing, hey, we are awesome together in the ring again. Uh, they throw a few people out. This wrestler comes out named CM Punk. Ah, I've heard of him. He's still my heart. Walking Dead enthusiast, CM Punk. Do you remember? I think we said this on the podcast. How I love the Bulldog. Like the wrestling move, and I feel like nobody does it anymore. Maybe I just texted you that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I think you texted. But me. um, but Punk does a bulldog. Well, he goes for a bulldog, take her clotheslines him. So that that spot was pretty awesome. And I was like, hey, CM Punk's going for a bulldog. Anyway, we won't talk about him. Nope. Um, Michaels finally eliminates Taker with chin music. Yeah, make up for last year. That was pretty fun. Kennedy eliminates Sean. Sean goes like a second later. Yeah, Sean, at the Undertaker's feet. Sean goes around the ring trying to escape Undertaker, which is just kind of comical. <laughs> and that's pretty and much that's the it. end of that's their interaction. Their entire interaction for 2008. That was enough to, enough to keep the, the wheels going. Um, who ended up winning that Rumble, James? Uh, 2008, that's John Cena. Okay. Best Rumble moment ever. Cena, who's supposed to be on the for another four months, yeah, shows up again at number 30. It's... Again, that's a good. To this day, I get goosebumps if I look that up on YouTube or something. Anyway, um, so next interaction, we fast forward to the 2009 Royal Rumble. So we have kind of a running theme here: 070809. So in 09, Sean's doing a gimmick that's kind of a tribute to the movie The Wrestler. And the story is he made a bad investment. His family's lost all their money. And he's working for the villainous John Bradshaw Layfield, who, kind of a J.R. Ewing character, you know, Texas cowboy, millionaire, multimillionaire. And basically, JBL's paying him to help him, JBL, become the WWE champion. So Sean just has to stand in his corner and support this guy, even though he hates him because he needs the money. So they do all these moral conflict things, and they eventually end the story with Sean winning a match where he not only... Gets all the money JBL owes to him. I think he gets like double or something like that. They make a double or nothing bet. But he also gets to be free of working for him at the same time. Right. After Sean beats JBL to, you know, regain his freedom, get all the money, JBL the next night comes out on Raw and says, to rebound for losing to Sean. Hold on, James. Okay. All right. There was one thing I was going to say about the Rumble backstage after JBL is telling Sean. The 09 Rumble, yeah. Right. He's telling him um, after that match he'll have a spot in the Rumble and the debt will be settled. He walks away. Sean, like, is contemplating his life. Yeah, he's saying, like, I don't want to cheat to help Cena lose, but he really doesn't want to work for JBL. But he's, like, kind of staring off into space thinking about it, and he turns around and turns it to the Undertaker. The Undertaker. So the Undertaker says... Give the quote. Ooh. And the lights Taker's here! (laughs) Holy shit! Um... (laughs) We're in James's garage, and the lights just went out, which was pretty awesome. He says, sometimes it's hell getting to happen. <laughs> which, of course, Would makes that be one of your dumb Undertaker yes, quotes? For or? sure. I um, thought that, that makes sense. It's just, hard to do the right thing. I know, but but he says hell, which is crazy. Because he's the Undertaker. To get to heaven. <laughs> um, and so that comes up the next night on Raw, when Sean wants to... Finally, call out the Undertaker for Mania. He quotes the Undertaker as if 
no one was watching the night right, before. Right, yeah. Th- this wasn't the next night after the Rumble. This was like a month later. Oh, okay. Was so, it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Shawn Michaels fights JBL at gotcha. No Way Out, wins his uh, freedom from that job. Gets They make a doubler or nothing bet, so Shawn gets all, you know, a lot of the money he lost. He's doing okay again. JBL comes out on the Rumble and says... So I lost to Sean. That's okay. I'm going to rebound by doing something nobody's ever done before. I'm going to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And then Shawn Michaels comes out, and he interrupts. He says, not to disagree, but now that I don't work for you, I have my own goals, and they include beating The Undertaker at this year's WrestleMania. So the next week on Raw, uh, this is 2-23-09. HBK versus JBL. There's nothing much to the match. HBK wins with a super kick, and it's just the start of a storyline, really, to show how hard Sean is willing to fight to get this match with the Undertaker at WrestleMania. So that's the first obstacle he overcomes is JBL. All right, so SmackDown 227. It's the Undertaker versus Kozlov. Vladimir Kozlov. Josh, do you have any memories of Vladimir Kozlov? Did you like him, James? He was. Different. He was a fresh face in the main event. He was a little boring, but I thought he was a great comedy character. I, I liked a lot of his moves. As... The, the Raw, you said boring, the Raw 223 episode, uh, there was a boring JBL HBK match uh, where Sean wins clean, mm-hmm. real quick. Jess, my wife, said yeah. regarding JBL, how can you have a fat ass and a flat ass at the same time? That's her, <laughs> that's that's her take on JBL. JBL. Um, but what I thought was funny is I said, and as if that wasn't boring enough, we then hear Kozlov's music. And <laughs> the crowd literally is just like, I mean, they all got up to go to the bathroom, right, when Kozlov's music hit. Poor um, guy. Cole says they'll face next week uh, to get the chance to face The Undertaker, which this kind of just reminds me of, like, grade school where, like, two or three boys are, like, obsessed with a girl and they're all fighting over her and she's kind of like, I never really said that you, like, whoever, you know, (laughs) wins your schoolyard fight. (laughs) Whoever wins is going to fight the girl. (laughs) Undertaker's just kind of like, I guess that's cool. Anyway. So yeah, no no thoughts exactly on Kozlov other than he's boring as hell. Nice. <laughs> in Raw, on Raw, when they're talking about the matches that will happen next week, anytime that happens, James, I love the crowd's reaction because they're always like, yay, boo. It's not it, this week. It starts out like, <laughs> I forget what it is, it's later on, there's a pretty crazy match that they want. They try to announce, yeah. and the crowd freaks out, and they're like, <laughs> nope, not tonight, next week, when we're like 200 miles away or something, like, damn it, <laughs> why can't you just do it here in Cincinnati? <laughs> there are some like really fun instances of that. The key to that is you always got to make it the heel who says not tonight. Right. Because it's going to get booed no matter what. A lot what. of times it's Vince. <laughs> right. So famously, The Rock versus John Cena announced their match for WrestleMania 28 a year out. And so they announced it the night after WrestleMania 27 on Raw. And so they start talking about fighting, and one of them says, next year at WrestleMania. And I think they pause for a pop, and it's very mild. And that was one of the most anticipated Mania main events ever. It wasn't the match. It was right. just like, Ugh. Cool. So no one's going to oh. do anything tonight, then? <laughs> we just get to look at you stare at each other. 
Okay. Sorry, James. So we're at... So go to SmackDown 227. Kozlov is going to fight Sean on Raw, but here he fights The Undertaker. Uh, Kozlov's still undefeated, and this is before he's a comedy character. Uh, he actually had a six-month run as a main inventor. Yeah, I remember that. And like you said, he's super boring. He was. He did do bad with it in a way. He was a fresh face, which they desperately needed at a time. He just didn't have a very exciting, exciting style of wrestling. Right. He's slow and methodical. Um, it's interesting for like five minutes. Right. But his matches always go longer than that. Um, it's an okay match, nothing special, but it's not bad. Kozlov reverses old school into a power slam, and that pins The Undertaker. Which is so Crazy weird. that he reverses to a power slam. I don't understand this at all, James. So they're <laughs> going into, eventually, you know, a big mania match and everything. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about how unbeatable The Undertaker is. And on SmackDown, Kozlov beats him with a power slam. Like, what the hell is that about? That's why... Not to spoil anything. That's why nobody else could end the streak. They never hit the power slam on The Undertaker. Or what I've noticed is they keep saying, eventually they keep saying, specifically calling out at WrestleMania. As if, like, The Undertaker, you know, is is beatable 364 days of the year, but on Mania, like, he gets a special boost of energy. All right, so they actually, they play that, what you just said, they play that up, you know, and... That doesn't bother me because, you know, they do say in basketball and other sports, you know, big players rise oh, to big occasions. Playoff LeBron is 100% real, so it okay. all clicks. I all get right. it. You're right. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, Kozlov can beat him on SmackDown. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Fast forward to Raw. This is March 2nd, 2009. Um, Sean has an interview where he brings up how Kozlov chokeslammed he, Sean, the week prior. Uh, this is the building where he main evented WrestleMania with a broken back against Steve Austin. And if he can get through that, nothing is going to stop him from getting to The Undertaker. Uh, first thing you hear on the chapter selection for this is Michael Cole's awful, annoying soundbite of Raw being the longest running episodic television show in history, which they used to say all yes. the friggin' time. Man, the stats they would show, like, um, more people watch the WWE in China than NFL and MLB combined. Right. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> um, so, Sean vs. Kozlov, Winter Fights Taker at Mania. I feel like they dropped the ball here, James. Okay. Again with the Kozlov hate. I, I'm not being a jerk, but... So they have this match, right? Yeah. Sean wins clean. Taker comes out, stares at him. There was a cool spot in the sure. match, at least. Like Go Kozlov for it. Kozlov headbutted Sean when he went through the flying forearm. Kozlov just like stepped into it and gave a headbutt to the sternum. I thought that was cool. And he just starts yelling, stupid, stupid. Remember that? He did no, that? no. That, that, he was a bit more professional than that. <laughs> no, but... um. Sorry, so so yeah. Taker comes out there, sta- they do a stare down. Yep. This is a huge moment, right? Mm-hmm. Years in the making. The crowd is not excited at all because they just sat through a Kozlov match. Really? And they are I now asleep. Was... Yeah. So, all right, so when Taker comes out, he does the throat slit at the end of the ramp while Sean's in the ring, and, like, all this fire just lights up behind him. So I guess I was distracted by that. When the fire ended up, like, The Undertaker was just staring a hole into Shawn Michaels, and I thought right. it looked awesome. Oh, it looks amazing, but the yeah. crowd is, like, looking at their watch, and that, I'm just, 
you're like assuming Kozlov. that that's because of Kozlov just put them all to sleep. I don't know. It's funny. Kozlov got like a couple of different title matches the prior year on pay per view. He had this run like he might fight the Undertaker at WrestleMania. He wasn't even on the card. Right. So he was he his fall was quick and swift. WWE at that like was he still? Yeah, he okay. he was around for another year maybe something yeah. like that. But yeah, he fell from grace and he fell quickly. So the next, uh, and by the way, they have interactions on almost every week of TV. So we're going to kind of go through Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown until we get to WrestleMania. Sure. SmackDown March 6th, uh, Taker promo opens the show, okay? It legit takes six minutes to get to The Undertaker actually talking on this thing. That being said, Josh, all right, so you were <laughs> shitting on The Undertaker's promo skills for the last two episodes. Yep. I thought this was so good, man. I like First thing I wrote down was, great promo, exclamation mark. What did you think of this? So... Yes, the promo itself was better. I okay. will say the amount of time in the last month that I've spent fast forwarding the Undertaker walk to the ring, <laughs> I could have like a part time job. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, we mentioned in a previous episode his walk to the ring took a minute. Geez, oh, we mentioned that because at this point in 2007, it's like a five minute segment just him walking to the ring, and fans love it. But if you're like me and Josh, and you've seen this a thousand times, it's FFB. Oh my gosh, like, I wonder if he got tired. Like, he had to have got tired of it. Like, I don't know. If there's that was you, would you get tired of it? There's a few roles that, that we cover here where he's in the main event, and it's kind of funny because I feel like he speeds it up a little bit, walks a little faster. Okay. You can tell there's like, hey, we're short on time. Like, the match is only going to be like make five your minutes only long. only three and a half minutes. Yeah, just kind of like... Skip down the ramp a little bit. But. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you'll hear of one-hit wonder artists that hate playing their own songs. Like, I heard one famous one where Big Country, the yeah. band, didn't want to play Big Country, their only song that was a hit. And they did it. Like, we're not going to play it. We're not going to do it. Disappointed so many disappointed people. Disappointed the hundreds or whoever was out there, you know. <laughs> Dozens of people that were at hey, that Big I'm Country is good. <laughs> Okay, but no, yeah, the promo itself was awesome, Mike. Right, let's I, talk about the content of it. Okay, it's really sure. Good. So Taker says he used to go out and find people to take down because everyone would go out of their way to steer clear of his path. He was the hunter, right. but now times have changed, and that makes him angry. He's offended yep. that people are going out of their way to find a fight with them. He said he never speaks of the streak. For him, WrestleMania was something personal. It's the night he had chosen internally as something with himself to show the world, the fans, his peers, that he was the most dominant force they would ever come across. Lately, though, with people hunting him down, he needs to prove he's still at his most dangerous. He's taking people wanting to fight him as a personal insult. He tells Shawn Michaels that he accepts the challenge, and when that happens, Shawn video interrupts, yeah, displaying why Shawn it has earned the nickname, which they've been using for him for like two or three years at this point, Mr. Yeah. Maybe look, no, like four or five years at this point. They call Shawn Michaels Mr. WrestleMania, and so they play a Shawn kind of compilation video of all yes. his WrestleMania moments. So I gotta ask James real quick. Yeah. Okay, so these this comes up a few times, these video packages yes. that happen in the middle of Raw. They're all friends with an editor. Like <laughs> 
kayfabe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sean's just ready for this, for Undertaker to come out, accept his challenge, and then, all right, I'm just going to say Adam, because that is somebody that he thinks later, hit play right now, you know, <laughs> and make sure that it's on the big screen, and it's just kind of well, weird in kayfabe. They, I'll say he addresses it in an interview. Like, they do give a kayfabe explanation for it. Okay. The next side of it. But yeah, so Taker's giving his promo as Sean video interrupts it. And when the video's done, Taker says Sean is picking the wrong guy to play mind games with. He tells Sean that, I know you found peace within, but your time for prayer has just begun. That's the first corny line of The Undertaker that I actually loved. Okay. I thought that was awesome. That was awesome, yeah. And then, of course, he ruins it by saying it again. Sometimes it's sometimes it's trying to get to heaven. Because <laughs> he just can't let anything <laughs> I can't believe peace. you hate that line. I mean, I don't hate it. I just think, like, it's just so, it's just so Undertaker. Like, I mean, it's like the linchpin of this whole game, feud, actually, you know, going like, Mania 25. I will say that I like the build to 26 better than 25. Okay. Um, the, like... The character work of Shawn Michaels on the build of 26 is amazing, but yes. I like the build of 25 better. Well, it was a little... Which surprised me. I didn't... Because 26 is one of my favorite Mania builds ever. So we'll get into this, but the yes. the religious stuff, at one point, we'll, we'll just save it, okay? Okay, so, yeah, we're, we're getting there, okay? So Shawn Michaels, like I said, he's a born-again Christian. Yes. This is his real life, and it kind of becomes a part of his on-screen character, okay? So, Shawn Michaels brings up the video he sent The Undertaker at SmackDown. He tells The Undertaker... You see, it's very important to understand. I respect The Undertaker, but I am not afraid of The Undertaker. You may be 16-0 at WrestleMania, but I am Mr. WrestleMania. Very cool, one sentence way to frame everything. Yeah, it frames it and it doesn't, it makes them both look like possible winners for the match. Yes. So, my, all right, so Josh and I, we've talked about how we both did a lot of lit classes in college, okay? One of the things that my wife, who was a music major, and I talk about is how sometimes your education can ruin cool things for you. So, Shawn Michaels gets what would have been this great line where he says, I've never been performed at, outperformed at WrestleMania, and I never will. Which grammatically doesn't make any sense, because you never will what? And so, it should have been, and I never will be. Right. It's not a big deal. Everybody knows what he meant. And I keep trying to talk myself into not being bothered by it, and it's hard. I want to not be bothered by it. I have never been outperformed on the grandest stage of them all, and I never will. Streaks are meant to be broken. Good things must come to an end, and absolutely nothing lasts forever. There is a spot later on in this feud with Triple H where he gives a really meaningful promo, mm-hmm. and he has something like that, but he recognizes it and says it. He said, Does he say it again? But he finishes it like, okay. um, I'd have to find it, but it's like, I, it's when he says, like, spoiler, you're the best wrestler I've ever shared this ring, or I've ever been in this ring, or the, I forget what he says it, but he said, I've never been like, in this ring. With, dot, dot, like dot. he says with. with. 
AKA, like, not including myself. <laughs> All right. Because I'm the best wrestler that's ever been in the ring. So, Sean kind of ends a promo that says, everything dies, streaks are meant to be broken, and at WrestleMania, yours will be. Something to that effect. Yeah. The, all right, so the first Taker promo, the first Sean promo, they're both phenomenal. And so now the feud to me is really picking up. And now, with Sean out there, The Undertaker has edited together his own video package. Of course. <laughs> and it counts down every win in the streak. Uh, they did something like this with Randy Orton feud at WrestleMania 21. It was awesome then, and it's awesome here. And it's so awesome that I remember thinking, while they were doing the Orton thing at 21... Why don't they do this every year? This is so cool. Like in and, the intro package? Yeah, well, like in the feud, just like run down, take your right. side match. And I've never seen this build to this match before. So I was like living for all this. I thought it was so cool. I was getting, I got married in 2009. I'd gotten rid of cable to save a few bucks there at the end. I didn't see any of this. And so I had only relied on the video packages up until this point. But watching all this. So even like, man, even like I just it. like this. This time around, you hadn't seen it until... I hadn't seen this until we watched it That's this awesome, viewing. That's awesome, Yeah, and so I always just thought, like, oh. So they talked a lot and attacked each other a couple times going into Mania. Right. And then in the synopsis, that's what happens. Right. But that's not the heart of it. Yeah. The heart of it is amazing. And the feud takes a really unique narrative for an Undertaker feud in the next few weeks. And we're... I, I love the end of that video package, too, because they also have a glimpse of Sean Bloody from Bad Blood at the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To kind of like hint like... And so when the video of The Undertaker beating all these people up at WrestleMania ends, they go back to the arena and Sean's just leaning on the ropes watching it and The Undertaker's standing behind him in the ring like ready to attack. And Sean just kind of casually lifts up the microphone and says, Hey, Undertaker, without even turning around. Yeah. And then he turns around, and Sean says, I've been expecting you. Yep. That was super cool. And then Sean, to answer Taker saying, I'm offended that people have been challenging me, Sean says, I'm offended that I had to qualify yep. for this match. Do you know who I am? Basically. Yeah, and he brings up his mania stuff, the ladder match, the Iron Man match, retiring Ric Flair. And Taker says, yeah, you've had epic victories, but you've also had bitter defeats. And he tells Sean he should have been more careful for what he wished for. Because at WrestleMania, you will rest in, and Sean cuts it off. <laughs> because he's, he's awesome. Best. Yeah, and he says, I'll rest quite comfortably. And in the key moment of this whole build so far, Sean says, you have beaten every other opponent you've ever faced at Wrestlemania but you've never beaten me ever and you never ever will awesome and that is the last line Sean walks off and Taker kind of it clicks like okay didn't beat him at ground zero lost at hell in a cell lost the casket match those are their only three one-on-one -on -one matches on record right even if you count, like, the No Way Out matches, Sean won that one. Yeah. And so Taker just looks, like, pissed off in the ring. Like, he's speechless. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have anything to come yeah. back with. He doesn't have any of his cool death stuff. Sean's not buying this whole rest in peace crap that you were bringing up. Yeah. So Taker's just mad. And again, frustration. You're not used to seeing The Undertaker frustrated. So that's the first time yeah. this feud 
it, started, at least in 2009. Because my games are starting to work. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. Taker said that they wouldn't, but... Right. right. So, Josh, SmackDown 313, Taker vs. Kozlov. Do you have anything to say about that? Zilch. Me too. Next. So, Raw 316. 316 gimmick stream. So, it's Sean and The Undertaker versus JBL and Kozlov. Matches, blah. Ending's really fun. So, do you want to cover it? Sure. So, uh, Taker has his hand up, ready for a choke slam yep. in the corner. Mm-hmm. I feel like this played out really well. Like, this looked really believable that this would happen. Yes, it was great. Um, Sean just kind of, like... While The Undertaker is signaling for the chokes and got it cocked way back, Sean just casually tags himself in, like, ah, screw you. Like, just, like, a little, like... I don't know, my son is uh, eight right now. It's Mm -hmm. totally, like, a little tool bag move that he would do. You know, just, like, a little punk. Like, I'm going to tag myself in, you know. Jumps in. Like, if you were... Like a tough guy, and somebody did this to you, part of my language, you'd say, what a punk B-word. Yes. I, I, and I sense for myself, part of my language. Yeah. That's it, like, what a punk B-word. And Sean's just being like a smartass. Like, ha-ha, tag which, myself in, I'm going to steal the pin you would have gotten. Which is like, that's like his, um, you know, character. Like, he's yeah. always been like a little He wants to be the punk. center of attention. Right. That's yep. why he wants to break he the street. He needs to be in the middle of the ring for the end of this random match on Raw. Mm-hmm. Super kicks JBL, pins him. Has to duck a big boot from Taker. <laughs> yeah, as soon as Sean gets the three count, Taker goes after him for what, like a awesome. giant boot, and Sean so ducks out Not the same level and of dashes off. Not the same <laughs> level of uh, competition, like competitive spirit, as they had in that other tag match. Like they do, just want to kill each other in this match. Yeah. So Sean out of the ring, he starts like pointing at Taker and like yelling bad mouth on him, just like spitting, spitting venom, saying like you know. I'm the show stealer. I'm Mr. WrestleMania. I one up you here, and I'll do it again in three weeks. So he turns around and walks off. Um, he runs runs up the ramp, leaves. Uh, Taker walks up the ramp slow because he can't do anything. Yeah, he tries to chase after Sean. Sean's like <laughs> jogs to the back, yeah. and Taker gets frustrated. So he just kind of does this like slow turnaround he walks look at to the, the end of the ramp. Crowd, right? and, and he pauses because. I think he thinks, like, okay, Sean might come out, but Sean doesn't, so then Taker turns to face the crowd. And then when he turns back around, <laughs> Sean comes out and super kicks. <laughs> right in the face. Yeah. I, I love Sean to death, but his little, like, when it's a little bit too long of a wait and he's ready for the super kick, mm-hmm. he looks so dumb. He's, like, doing this, like, like shaking of his hands and just, like, like he's hulking up hopping, like... <laughs> Just kind of looks ridiculous. And a forty-year-old dude just—that that was funny. You know, um, Taker sold it with a backflip, which yeah. <laughs> shocked the crowd out of back row. Yeah, and then Sean starts trash talking again, which again I was dying laughing when I saw this. Like, what a punk! Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Um, there's a Sean Kane match on SmackDown. Sean wins with Shin Music. Nothing really happens there. Taker beats JBL. Um, I don't think there's any interaction on that show unless I missed something. No, there's not. Just the fact that they're like tertiary characters. Yeah, but... Taker kind of reiterates that Sean is now the prey and he's the hunter now. And so that takes us to Raw 323. And this is very this is a very well remembered segment. So Taker comes out to talk, okay? And do you want to cover this with what you got? So with Taker, um, you know, it basically took him two weeks to come up with his response 
you know, when he was left uh, speechless in the ring with his, I've never been able to beat you. He finally comes back and says, <laughs> the last time they did battle, Sean spent the next five years at home trying to recover. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Now, Sean, I heard what you had to say. And yes, it's true. I've never beaten you one-on-one. Never. Not once. But need I remind you that the last time we did do battle, you spent the next five years at home in agonizing pain trying to recover. Uh, I love Sean for... For being able to like joke about stuff like that, like he's not, there's nothing off limits for him. Right. Yes. Um, That's even, a cool real life thing for him. Even yeah. the like Christianity stuff in this dude, he's not like too whatever. To, yeah, like this like, is we'll it's, break a, it in. Yeah. it's like a movie, you know? Who cares? Like this right. is not real. So. So Taker gives the quote after that. After the five years thing, he says at WrestleMania, when you're standing across the ring from me, and you start to question your own faith. And then he pauses, and he finally says, and you will. And I just wrote a note. This is really chilling at this point. It says, remember, it was you that opened the gates of hell. And when Taker says this line, again, this is like classic Taker kind of putting the intimidation in. Right. Sean's music hits. And Taker looks pissed. But instead of coming out to the ring, a video pops up, and Shawn Michaels is in a graveyard. Yes. Okay, so James, you said this is a uh, very re- well remembered. It's well remembered. Like people like this. People do like it. Yes, they do. Okay, well, of course, I do not like okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, Sean is in a, a symbolic graveyard of all of Undertaker's opponents, right? <laughs> Says it's um, a legit graveyard, by the way. It's just yeah. Right. I'm sorry, but uh, of course, like King Kong Bundy is not buried in this graveyard. Like, says <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, some may call it sacrilege. He calls it defiance. Uh, he goes Going to the graveyard to right. challenge James Jordan. He says, everything must and does die. And I wrote down the sacrilegious thing, too. It's sort of cool that he kind of brought that up. He says, there's there's one last grave, but it's uh, it's not his. Yeah. It's he, for... One by one, he right. names every person the Undertaker spot at WrestleMania. The, the legends like Giant Gonzalez. And... Well... Yeah, he, he kind of brushes past them, you know. But no, I thought he did a good job of that because he called me a giant. Snuck, I mean, uh, that makes it sound, yeah, it makes yeah. it sound intimidating. But the last one is for him. Lo and behold, a fresh grave has been dug, surrounded by the darkness of death. This grave isn't for me. This is your grave, Undertaker. This is where your undefeated WrestleMania streak will be buried forever. Not just six feet under, but down to the evil depths of hell. Undefeated streak? Rest in peace. 
which like kind of plays well to the Undertaker saying you opened the gates of hell. Right. And Sean saying, Yup. And here's a grave straight to it, and it's for you and your stupid little streak. <laughs> and a streak will rest in peace. Okay, James. Yeah, so... this is a freshly dug grave. There is a tombstone right by the grave. That says 16 and 1. Yeah. And, and if Sean, that wasn't uh, on the nose enough, Sean. Oh, I love that. Yeah. He kind of like questionably says, like, what? Undefeated streak? <laughs> Rest okay. in peace. And he kicks the tombstone in the open grave. Right. So, James, you. And then start shoveling dirt on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go back to the arena. Hold on, James. Okay. Hold on. So, right. you always bring up uh, books, right? And yes. Shakespeare and, and your love of, of literature. So my version of that is movies, right? Okay. So in watching this, I couldn't help but think of Vito Corleone after, spoiler, uh, his son Sonny gets killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, <laughs> look what they've done to my boy. They've massacred my boy. You remember that part? Okay. That's how I felt with Sean in this promo. Okay. <laughs> look like what they've the, done to my boy. <laughs> like like the, under, like the graveyard is the Undertaker's boy. No, like, Sean is my boy, and oh. look what they've oh. done to him. <laughs> he's they've, been reduced to he's this. He's been reduced the to making dumb. <laughs> rest, he literally says, rest in peace, which I hate. But and, he did that to, like, taunt the Undertaker. And he's Does like, that make it any better? I don't know. I feel like it's like, he's buying into it now. I mean, he's, <laughs> he says the grave is not just six feet down, but it goes all the way to the lights with his hand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. It was too much for me. Do you, are, can, would it make it better if you take it that he's like making fun of the Undertaker? I'll go back and watch it. If I, if, I don't if think I, he's making fun of him. I think he's like taunting him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's got like a shovel and everything. It looks pretty. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> like he's, he's believing it. He's buying oh what he's selling. He, yeah, he's feeling this. He is. He is. Okay. So they go back to the arena. Right. And like again, Taker frustration. He's pacing around the ring. Yes, I do love this. Yeah, Taker is like snapping. Yeah. Okay. So I do. He's pacing around. So the Undertaker's pacing around the ring. Okay, and it's sort of this cool thing where if you were like so mad about something at your work, and then your boss came up and said, "Oh, by the way, you're fired," and you suddenly you realize like I have no income, and you have all this anger. Also, you just wouldn't know what to do. The Undertaker, like, he doesn't know how to react. He's been one-upped at every turn so far. And, he, again, he's pacing. Like, Sansa's like, screw you and your graveyard crap. I'm not afraid. I'm going to play your stupid little graveyard games and make fun of your dumb streak. And I'm not taking – I'm not getting intimidated by any of this. And it just infuriates The Undertaker. Yeah. To the point where he's kind of slipping into hysteria, almost. Yep. Which is very unusual. That's never happened to Taker before until now. Yep. What a good feud, man. I feel like in the future it makes more sense when they do the rematch because... Sean is so slipping skin. into hysteria. Yeah, and it's like a reverse. It's a reverse. Right? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We'll get there in the next episode, yeah, sure. but man, this is great. Okay, so now something even more so about the Vito Corleone. Yes. God, James. You, I, the next thing we're going to talk about, SmackDown 327. <laughs> did you not like this no. Oh, man. I mean, I did like, like, I like the 26 build a lot better. This, like, 
It's just what I wrote was so was like one two six O's so dumb. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna propose we do something. Here. Okay, sure. I'm gonna run down this. And all the reasons why I love it, and then I'm gonna let you run down your version of it and all the reasons well, why you hate it. Well, it's probably okay? the same reasons. <laughs> like, <laughs> it'll be fun then. It'll just be like me saying like, "And this was great," and then you saying, "And this sucked." It's terrible. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So the lights dim, and ten people dress entirely in white robes, wearing white hoods, not KKK style. No, not at all. Doing a Gregorian monk chant, march out to the ring in two rows. And, and real fast, for people that aren't familiar with The Undertaker, this is the kind of thing that Undertaker would do Yeah, he had these people called druids. They were dressed in black cloaks with black hoods. They'd march up to the ring like once every couple of years, and they would do Anytime a monk Undertaker chant. died. Yeah, like, <laughs> whatever The Undertaker had to like reset, and they would like quote-unquote kill him off, uh, these monks would come out. Yeah. And then when he came back, they'd come out again. Okay, so it's a little King Arthur-ish sort of kind of yeah. um, with the bow thing. But, all right, so anyway, the monk chants, you know, these people in the white robes come out. They surround the ring. And then this rather dramatic music with chanting and symphonic instruments starts playing. And then a figure wearing an all-white version of The Undertaker's all-black attire walks out with his head bowed. Okay. And this is covered by the hat, so you're pretty sure you know who it is, but you can't tell for sure. And so he steps through the ropes, head still bowed, covered by the hat, and then he removes the hat and tosses it way up in the air behind him, slowly raises his head to look at the camera, and of course, it's Shawn Michaels, and he's <laughs> grinning like an idiot. It's amazing. <laughs> so freaking cool. Crowd starts chanting HBK. This is like such a production. This is... This is it's theatric. Like, this is Broadway theater style, okay? Shawn Michaels gets the microphone and immediately starts quoting Genesis chapter 1, the creation story, hitting the, you know, in the beginning, God divided the darkness from the light, symbolizing the Undertaker is darkness, and he's Shawn Michaels, lover of life, you know, living in the moment as the light. And he says that he and the Undertaker have coexisted for 20 years, taken many different paths, and have been criticized and praised by both peers and fans, but this is where their similarities end. So it's, Taker, you're the purest form of evil. That even when I walk among the shadows, I thrive, or you walk among the shadows while I thrive in the spotlight. And he says the Undertaker supposedly strikes fear into everyone, yet here I stand unafraid. He then quotes the Bible again, saying, Yea, though I walk through the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art. He says he has victory over death and the grave, he has eternal life, and at WrestleMania, He'll follow the Undertaker into the fiery depths of hell, but only he will ascend victorious. And then Taker comes up from below the ring and tries to drag Sean underneath it, symbolically dragging him into hell, like Sean's teasing him about. But Sean escapes, and he makes it to his feet, and then the Undertaker hops in the ring following Sean. He goes through the choke slam. But Sean slips out of it and escapes again, this time over the top rope. And so the Undertaker's stuck in the ring by himself again. Sean's on the ramp doing the no, no, no finger waving and dancing while he's doing it. And then uh, Sean's music starts playing his normal music. And he's just 
goofing off with a smirk on his face, taunting The Undertaker, while The Undertaker, for the third straight time in a face-to-face -face confrontation, is left alone and speechless in the ring. And at this point, the veins popping out of his neck. He just looks like we've seen him frustrated, we've seen him delusioned, miffed. Now he looks straight pissed. Like, more pissed as every second passes. He looks like his head's going to explode. Yeah. He does the throat cut, which Sean completely no-sells and just keeps dancing. Like, Taker means nothing. Taker looks like an 11 out of 10 on the anger scale here. Okay. All right, Josh. How would you describe... And, by the way, I'd say this segment, 10 out of 10. Theatrics, <laughs> content. I love so it. It's so weird. You and I like the complete opposite thing. <laughs> so, for me, you know, it like we said, if you're at all familiar with wrestling... This kind of thing happens with The Undertaker usually. So the second that it starts, it's all white, right? I get it. That, that's enough. Like, you're done. Like, I get it. I know where this is going. So, of course, the sledgehammer of plot that you've talked about before, that's what this is for me. So you still have to sit through the slog of the entrance, even though you freaking know it's Sean, and you know it's going to be... I don't even want to say dumb, even though I think it... Like, you know it's going to be weird, right? Like, corny magoo, whatever the right word is. I'm enjoying you calling Shawn Michaels stuff dumb right now. <laughs> well, this is still in the look what you've done to my boy face. Okay. So he goes out there, takes off his hat, of course it's him, says he's Mr. WrestleMania, which even though I love that moniker enough, dude, he says he'll take him to the fiery depths of hell for only he will ascend. Choir music is playing now. You kind of skimmed over this part, James. So he's looking down while the choir is playing, right? Mm -hmm. Such a, like, whatever moment. And then his music is, as you described earlier, ridiculous, cherry <laughs> music. They segue to, I think I'm cute. And he just looks up, like, it's just, it's, it's like, hard to watch. It's so dumb. And I love that he starts faces. stripping, like he does, but... Taking off, like, the Undertaker attire. in the, like, environment of all of this religion, like, he just quoted two different Bible verses, and now he's literally stripping to a ridiculous song. It's not like a strip tease, though. It's just like, let's Well, you know what I mean. Like, it's his, it's his goofy yeah. dance that he does. Uh, my wife is watching this with me, who also loves Shawn Michaels, and is just dying laughing. Uh, <laughs> when... When <laughs> Undertaker comes out of the ring, it was like too much, and she just lost it. Like it's just so over the top. You have to watch this. Go find it somewhere. We'll post it. Oh, it's completely over the top. It's corny, but I think it turns the corner to be like, this is awesome. This is this so is why I love. It's so checked out from reality. This is wrestling. pro wrestling. This is like, if you want to know the difference between me and James' wrestling preferences, <laughs> look at 25 versus 26. It's, I mean, that's what it is. Like, And I'm not at all, for the record, hating on this. And I love the Bill I, I mean, too, Sean's yeah. my favorite wrestler of all time. It's, I like that it's so dumb, but I just think that it is I'll absolutely say, when we start so talking dumb. about 26, I might change my mind and say it like okay. that one. <laughs> um, that's pretty much that, it. So you... So, I'd give this like a, maybe a 9 out of 10, and you'd give it like a 1 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10. Uh, in the words of Dave Meltzer, I'd give it a dud. <gasps> Minus 5 stars! <laughs> <laughs> 
I went back and looked at a lot of ratings over the last couple of weeks, and I love when he gives stuff duds. I'm like, you couldn't even give it a star, you jerk. Like, <laughs> or the the real kicker is when he doesn't even rate a match. Like, that's like, right. I'm not even gonna rate this. I I want to talk about this for just another second. Theatrics aside, yes. Did you think it was cool, like? The running story that they have that they reinforce here that Sean keeps one up being the Undertaker. Absolutely, and honestly, even the white, um, all white stuff. I thought this is the kind of thing that, like, you write it down on you know a script or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that's awesome. Like the Taker's all black, he's gonna be all white. It's the opposite. Yeah, you got the smoke and everything. It's gonna be really cool. But then, like. When you do it in practice, it's like, uh, maybe we should have done a dress rehearsal because this looks really dumb. So, I will say, him coming out in all white, like, you know, in the graveyard promo, he said, you know, this, some might think this is sacrilegious, like, I'm messing with something sacred here, okay? Yeah. With him doing, like, this stuff in the graveyard, dressing in the Undertaker's stuff here, it's blasphemous, but it's not blasphemous against God. It's blasphemous against the myth of the Undertaker. Right. And so the Undertaker, again, as he described himself, being the most dominant force in wrestling, and WrestleMania is where he proves it to everybody. And then you have this one guy going through every Undertaker trope, unafraid, half mocking it along the way, doing all the Undertaker stuff, kind of saying, this isn't such a big deal. Yeah. Come on. I love that, like, Sean keeps one-upping him. And you can, from the Undertaker character perspective, you understand why he'd be pissed. He got screwed out of his title by Sean in 97. He got screwed out of Hell in a Cell. He got screwed in the casket match. He got screwed out of the WrestleMania 23 main event. And now they're in this build. Taker was annoyed that people were hunting him down to fight instead of being afraid of him to begin with. And now to reinforce that, Sean's saying, yeah, I hunt you down. I hunted you down. And it's right that I wasn't afraid because I'm getting the best of you at every turn. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. And so Taker, again, it's sort of like when you hate somebody else, it really is you saying you hate something about yourself. That's right. sort of the belief yep. in certain psychologies. I think The Undertaker is, again, having all these things revealed to him. He hates Shawn Michaels here because Shawn Michaels is the physical representation of his self-doubt. And... Man, what a good story they're telling going into this match. Okay, now we're at the go-home promo on Monday Night Raw to WrestleMania 25. And basically, Raw has a cold opening. First thing you see on the final Raw before Mania is Shawn Michaels (laughs) with a casket. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, so the show opens, we see a hearse, and The Undertaker's music is playing. And that's it. The opening tease is... Just a hearse showing up, okay? In the ring, there's a black carpet, a a bouquet of black roses, a picture of Sean pinning The Undertaker at Hell in a Cell, and two pictures of Sean standing on a casket from the casket match, and a legit closed casket while The Undertaker's music plays, but there's no Undertaker in sight. I gotta say, it's very confusing what's going on here to the viewer. Here, you're just, I mean, maybe it was previewed the week before on SmackDown or something, but... You can tell it's kind of strange because Lawler feels the need to tell us, you know. If there was such a thing as, like, a goth funeral, this would be it. it. Everything's black in the ring, you know. So Lawler does say that apparently it's Sean holding a funeral for Undertaker Street. Yeah, so, yeah, Sean's music hits, and he comes out dressed in black, just like everything in the ring. 
And once in the ring, he says this observance isn't for him. Somebody had speculated earlier in the show, but I guess Lawler got it right. He said, but it's for the Undertaker right. industry. His attitude's kind of changed a little bit. Like, he's not as goofy now. He's more... This is the week of WrestleMania. I, I put down, he, he's walking slow and determined, looking as if he just found out that Undertaker's going over at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean runs down their interactions from the last month and says, everything he did to the Undertaker was without a hint of retribution. And Sean then kind of walks over to the closed casket. Now, Josh and I have been watching wrestling for 20 years right. at this point, right? We're both thinking, I'm sure you were. Yeah. He Take opens the casket, there. The Undertaker's in the casket. So Sean opens up the casket, and it's empty. And Sean says, there will be no retribution. And he walks away from it. And he leaves the casket open. And this yeah. is key in a second, okay? Casket is open. Sean says he, quote, takes the fact that I can't end your undefeated streak as a personal, or takes the fact that you think I can't end your undefeated streak as a personal insult, which rules because that brings the whole thing full circle from the very first thing, where Taker says he takes the fact that anybody's searching him out as an insult. Right. Sean says, I take it that I have a couple of snowflakes, as an insult. James, they're yeah. both getting insults mm -hmm. so easily. And then at the end, Sean says, ah. You know, you still think I can't end the streak. That's an insult to me. He says, I'm Mr. WrestleMania one more time. So, at this point, this match, Sean's been getting the one-up on every turn, but it feels like two gunslingers, essentially, right? right? Mr. WrestleMania versus the guy with the streak. And so, it's like they both keep saying, don't you know who I am? It's the shiz. I just <laughs> love it so much. So, he says, basically, you know, there's two other... There's two title matches at Mania. Yes. He says the next next day or after that, the, nobody will be talking about the world title matches. Yeah. They'll be talking about him. Yes. Which is kind of cool because that's true. Yes. <laughs> and then he brings it home with this line, the money line to me of the whole Mania build. This Sunday, everything I've accomplished in the last 24 years is going to pale in comparison to what I achieve on Sunday. Ah, I'm so in for this match. Uh, lights go out. Two dong, two magic dongs. Yeah, we get the magic dong. And the Undertaker comes Taker out is, to the arena. He's standing in the ring, but Sean is no longer there. Yeah, so yeah, dong hits, lights go out, come back on, Taker's in the ring, Sean isn't there. Our lights just went out again, by the way. So awesome. <laughs> and here's Undertaker's the cool part. Real. When the lights went out, you hear like a... And when they come back on, Sean's gone, but the casket lid is shut. He destroys the plants and the pictures. Undertaker snaps even more so. He's pissed one more time. Yeah, he's just like knocking over random objects in frustration. <laughs> it, it is really kind of a unique sight seeing the Undertaker like losing it. You never um, see it. I don't think they've ever done it since this feud, and they hadn't done it before. Somehow they hadn't done this in like the twenty years. Yeah, before even this like feud. with with mankind and Paul Bear, all that stuff. Never really. Yeah. He's always so. Taker debuted uh, in nineteen ninety and everything. This is two thousand nine, and somehow, yeah, we had never gotten just frustrated, angry Undertaker. Um, he op he looks over at the coffin because, of course, yeah, it's like uh, what is that? Again, a movie thing where it's if, they, Chekhov's gun. if they show a gun, then, yes. you know. Chekhov's gun. Show the gun in Act 1, show the gun in Act 2, use the gun in Act 3. Yeah, so he opens it, 
frustrated that Sean is not in it. Right, yeah. And you would think, okay, Sean's in it because he's doing all the taker stuff. Right. Here, like, eyes the casket, like, you know, ominously. And he slowly opens and expecting Sean. Sean's not there. And, and just pisses him off more. So he's kind of throwing his temper tantrum, turns around. Yeah, he, like, turns around and, like, I think he puts, like, his hands on his hips. Which, that's also kind of the weird sight, like, <sighs> like, he's having this hum moment. Yeah. I have no idea. He's just like, I have no idea. I have no idea. And he's embarrassed. Yeah. Sean comes out from under the coffin. Yes, yes. The There's drapes. <laughs> yeah, like, the coffin's elevated. There's these drapes kind of coming down from it. And Sean crawls out from under them. <laughs> and the, the pen and teller trick is now complete. Yep. Taker um, turns around. One last <laughs> super kick to the face. <laughs> so, James, I don't want to get off on a rant here. Uh, I'm curious real quick, though. Are they showing their hand too much at this point that Sean is getting the upper hand in every interaction until then to where surely he's not also going to get the upper hand at Mania and then just completely completely bury The Undertaker, no pun intended? I don't think, and like, I totally see that. That crossed my mind here too. So I thought, how would I feel going into this match, you know? Right. I don't think they were, and this is why. There was no sign that this feud was just going to... And flatly to WrestleMania. That's a chance. Right. But you don't really know for sure. And it typically doesn't, right? I mean, some of, not typically, but a lot of times. Mania ends feuds as often as it starts feuds. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't really know, you know. It could be that Sean gets the one up at every turn. And then Taker tries to get his revenge next year, you know. Or Sean, like, gets a cheap win or something and then taker spends the next three months like beating him up you kind of think like okay taker is due but again we've never had a build like this so this is unknown territory okay so wrestlemania 25 so we go to wrestlemania you know what's weird about all this is wrestlemania 25 this is the intro package that was my number one remember yeah Mm -hmm. so it's weird Uh, that i'm not loving this, this build to I want to talk about one last thing. Sure. We, all right. From Go that funeral it. segment. Okay. Yep. This is a great little Undertaker character moment. Okay. After Sean hits the super kick, okay, he throws a cross chop at the Undertaker while he's down. He, kind of taking it back to their original 1997 yep. angle. And then he walks away and he leaves Taker in the, in the ring alone again for like the fourth time. But this time, the Undertaker is on his back. So Taker, laying in the ring, he looks hurt, he looks angry, he looks frustrated, he looks embarrassed. Like, all these emotions are right there on his face. It's a really good acting job, actually. He's on his back still. He's trying to struggle to his feet, and he's pushing, like, the wreaths over, like, the funeral decor. He's trying to, like, knock it down. Like, he's so disgusted. He doesn't have enough strength to stand up. He just hates the sight of everything he sees because he realizes it's completely taking the piss out of him, so to speak, okay? So while he's trying to make the ropes, they go to the entrance ramp, and Sean looks dead at him and just gives this, like, perfect dead-to-rights smirk at The Undertaker. And so before, when he's seeing like, the finger-waving, like, ah, 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 for the all-white thing, he's like, nope, can't get me, can't get me. But this time, it's much more sinister. Right. And this smirk, what you read on Sean's face is like, you're pathetic. And he turns and he walks away. And that is sort of like, as personal as this thing getting, 
this was the moment where it's like, okay, man, Sean. Just got real. Yeah, like, Sean's up to him at every turn, and now he's like, you're pathetic. And so The Undertaker at this point feels like he's essentially had his, I don't, I don't want to say his manhood, you know, but I guess his legend completely taken away. So he has something big to prove at Mania. Not just keeping the streak. This is for his reputation. All right. So anyway, WrestleMania 25. You said you, this is your favorite Mania intro. But, and this match is considered by some to be the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Josh, what did you We've think? We've already gone over the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Brett versus Owen? No, I don't know if I'd say that, but no, it would be Sean versus Brett is my, my opinion of the best match of all time. Okay. Mania match. Um, so Josh notoriously in our friendship. He's not a fan of this match, which shocks me because it's Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So, like, right. do you it's think not it's a, I was or? talking to my wife today. Like, like I feel like I'm coming across as a curmudgeon in some of this. Okay. I'm being, like, 100% honest. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what it is. Like, so, I, well, I do know what it is for this match and, honestly, the one after. And this definitely has, like, this accusation has been thrown on New Japan matches. So, I'm trying to, like, sure reconcile that in my... In my in my heart, James. So the biggest criticism of this match online is its finisher kickout. Okay, so number one, I'm a big fan of protecting finishers, right? Okay. That is not happening in this match <laughs> at all. But I will say that I do. The reason that I like protecting finishers, not the only, but one of the reasons is to be able to use them in big matches when people kick out of them. Okay. So that does happen here, which is cool. And this is the biggest match on WrestleMania. Right. So that that does make sense. I think it's just it happens for both of them. What it happens several times through yeah. like I meant to count it up. I I lost track. I'm just kidding. But between 25 and 26, it just seems like a little bit of back and forth for 5 minutes and then just trading finishers until finally somebody wins. I would argue that trading finishers is okay to do as long as the build to match warrants, which means that the characters have to warrant it as well. Right. So in this match, essentially at this point, WrestleMania 25, there are two WrestleMania legends that still compete. Right. One is Mr. WrestleMania Shawn Michaels. The other is the is it 16, 16 and 0 16 guy at WrestleMania, yep. The Undertaker with the streak. So if they're going to fight, it's going to be the immovable, the irresistible force versus the immovable object. That's the time where you're like, okay, each of these legends is looking at this as the most important match of their career. This is when finisher should be flying and kickout should be flying. I had a problem with some of the Gargano matches of last year. Like I said, I think he's the best in the world right now. Right. I don't know if he's earned his place as an unconquerable Superman. The Undertaker had, and because you've seen Shawn Michaels fight for his life so many times, he kind of had to. Right. So I guess the finisher trades would be easier for me to swallow if there were was more meat beforehand. Okay. I think because they're both such legends, I don't, I've never looked at Undertaker as like a one-trick pony. Like, he's a complete wrestler, has a lot in his tool bag, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, when I was watching 25, I was like trying to think to myself, their age, their, the bot, the, their... You heard what Triple H said, maybe legend is just another word for better. (laughs) The the shape that they're in is still good, right? 25... Mm -hmm. 
It's not Taker Goldberg yet, right? So, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so what I'm saying is they could, have, they could have done a lot. No, I'm saying it's not. Like, they're still in their prime. They're a little bit older than, you know, but they're, they were capable of so much more, I guess is what I'm getting at. So uh-huh. high-flying stuff, whatever, like more stuff in between than just like what felt like five minutes and then the finisher trade okay. off. So I, man. High flying not including Undertaker almost killing himself. We are <laughs> going to have some different opinions on this match. And it's not just like I liked the match, okay? I like the story of this match. Yeah. Like Sean wanting to end the legend of The Undertaker, you know, kind of saying like this isn't that big a deal. But when they get to WrestleMania, Taker's kind of got his swagger back. You know, he's like, okay, this is my show. I'm here. And Sean, again, he's still got all the bravado, but he really just wants to win. To him, it doesn't have to be like this big victory. Any victory ends the streak. Any victory ends the legend. Yeah. So, and any victory makes him the center of attention that people will talk about forever in his head, which is the Shawn Michaels character. So he's willing to take a count out win. He's willing to take a disqualification yes. win. And they have spots where like, he tells the ref, like, count him right, out, go, count him out. Right, to count him out. Yeah, give, give me the boring win. That's fine. You yeah. know? I will say before we get too far down this path, I didn't hate this match. Okay. It's just not my favorite. Well, I mean, I get it. When anybody tells you it's the best ever, automatically, no matter who you are, you know, there might be something that says, Ugh. That really sets the bar very high. I always high. like to think of myself as not that guy, though. So hopefully that's not it. But, so, for example, like, one thing I did love is in the very, very beginning, when Taker comes out, does his walk, comes up the steps, he does the light thing. Mm. Sean is no longer scared. So a decade later, after we talked about... Sean doesn't even flinch. Sean, yeah. like, selling, you know being terrified he doesn't even like you said doesn't flinch oh, we gotta talk about the entrances too like this right, is yeah. some of the most beloved mania entrances ever here Sean again they played that dramatic kind of music that Sean had during the uh, ceremony yes. with the, uh, the choir or with the yeah with the monks and you know he's wearing all white taker there's like this platform that's about 30 40 feet in the air and it's just like starts descending down and it's painted white and Sean's coming down on it and he's dressed in all white kind again like the undertaker kind of and his hands are outstretched almost like in a praise music pose and he's looking up to the heavens with his hat on while this music plays and then he gets to the bottom and smoke surrounds it a la the undertaker except the lights are on because he's the light and then Sean emerges from the smoke they start playing his theme and then when The Undertaker's music hits, the lights go out, and, like, blue light shines on the entrance, and they have, like, a levitation thing that's under the entrance, and it raises The Undertaker onto the stage. So it's almost like Sean's descending from heaven, The Undertaker is raising from hell, and they're meeting here in the middle to battle it out at WrestleMania. Again, it's either cheesy or it's cool, depending so on how you like in case it. you didn't get it jr <laughs> make sure to point it out to us Says it's yeah it's the light coming the from the depths of hell yeah he's rising almost like he's coming from the depths of hell jr like loved this match oh, yeah, he, country, did. By he the way. was like rock hard during this <laughs> <laughs> at the end he says like i feel like we've just seen heaven you know yeah 
He did like this a lot. Chris Jericho called this the greatest match in the history of pro wrestling before. And that's Chris Jericho, AEW champion. Who <laughs> <laughs> the lost their world title. He doesn't have a belt. Okay. So the match gets started. Sean immediately starts going after Taker's knees. Does this cool modified figure four that he's been doing a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah, around a, that time. That's an old Dusty Rhodes move. I kind of geeked through that. The way that they played it up is like almost like he started doing that after like the Ric Flair match. Yeah, which that's is, not necessarily true. Yeah, Taker lands some heavy blows. Uh, he goes for the figure four again, and he gets uh, put in a triangle, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the big fan of the triangle. <laughs> Undertaker popping up at those UFC shows to challenge MMA artists. Yeah. Like, I've got a triangle joke. I had a note later this? on um, for the 26 feud, but it applies here. It's like, why does like the Prince of Darkness or whatever he calls himself have like <laughs> MMA gloves on? Like, <laughs> he's got a trench coat and like the cowboy hat. Like none of it really adds up. Um, so the evolution of his character is actually pretty well done. But in a snapshot, it looks ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So he went from like, you know, like Deadman Undertaker to Cult Leader Undertaker to kind of sort of Biker Undertaker. Trumpster. And then he disappeared for like nine months. And then he came back as like full Biker Undertaker. They called him the American Badass. Kind of rode that through different phases, became big evil. Then he got put out and then came back as the old Undertaker. But he had a... Kind of some of his moveset from the yeah. biker days was still part of his repertoire. Gotcha. And so, yeah, then blah, blah, blah. So the biker days were, was when he picked up the MMA stuff? Is that... Somewhat, yeah. Okay. yeah. Anyway. But then he really started picking it up more as, like, Dead Man Undertaker. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to defend it. Maybe it's not defendable. So Sean goes for a moonsault to the outside and Taker moves out of the way. Whoa, yeah. Sean um, whiffs hard, It looks man. looks... Like it it looks like Sean broke like four <laughs> ribs or three ribs landing this. So here, yeah, it, it looks like he slips on the top rope. Like no matter what happened, he wouldn't have hit this moonsault. And it's an ugly fall and it's a thud. Yeah, the thud Sean, is, Top yeah. rope to the concrete, by the way, not the mat. This is to the concrete outside the ring. It's brutal looking. What's more brutal, James? Yes. Okay. Taker goes back in the ring. This is scary. And Bounce- these two spots are why I didn't like the match for years. Oh, he bounces off the, the moonsault. Like, I don't know. For me, I guess I've just seen Sean do so many moonsaults that it's kind of like they all run together. Okay. But this Taker thing. So here's, he bounces yeah. off the ropes. He dives onto Sean. I don't even o- know over what. Over the top ropes. Six he was foot, trying ten to inch like, The Undertaker. Well, he does that, like, in the Ground Zero match, remember, he did that to the group of people? Yeah, I guess usually there's people there. Usually there's, like, two or three. Well, like, Sean was there. So, okay, outside of KK, right? Like, what what happened? Like, Sean... What we're talking about is, like, Taker would, like, maybe once a year do this move where he'd run across the ropes, his opponent would be outside the ring, and the Undertaker would run across the ring dive completely over the top rope without touching the it rope. It looks head first. Yeah, like, and like he'd land on his opponent. Like he had done this six, ten times yeah. before this match, okay? And so usually he would need more than one guy to land on because the Undertaker is like 6'10", 290 or whatever. And Sean's like six foot, you know, 220, 230, 235. 235, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so there's a size difference there. Taker's going to need one, more than one guy to kind of catch him, okay? 
outside of kayfabe, what they had done was there's a cameraman there. The cameraman was actually a wrestler named Sim Snuka, who's a relative of Jimmy Snuka, gotcha. who is a relative of when this happens, of legendary WWE Hall of Famer Jimmy Superfly Sorry. Snuka. <laughs> when he's doing this, when they do stuff like this, does he have to be out there running a camera the entire I hope he's there the whole night. I think he was there the whole time. <laughs> I, I just don't think he was in that position the whole time. He was getting a paycheck. So anyway, Sean's knocked down outside the ring, and he starts pulling himself up on the cameraman. Or no, pulling himself up by the cameraman. Yeah, that he's actually with the ref at the beginning of the... Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's pulling himself up on the, up on the referee outside the ring. Taker runs across the ring. He dives over the top rope, and Sean shoves the ref out of the way. And he grabs the cameraman and he pulls him in a spot. So what's supposed to happen is Taker lands on the cameraman, Sim Snuka, to Who break his take fall. A bump, basically. Right, yeah, he can take a bump. He's a pro wrestler. Right. You know, he would be able to catch the Undertaker. What happens in practice is Sean shoves the ref, pulls the cameraman over, but they're about a foot short of where the Undertaker lands. And so the Undertaker does this headfirst dive over the top rope that looks like a dive into a swimming pool. I don't know how he didn't dive. Yeah, like, it looks like he lands on his head. On the, like, on these little two-inch mats covering the concrete floor outside the ring. So in kayfabe, though, what happened is Sean is pulling himself up from the the ref, but shoves the ref out of the way and pulls the cameraman. If you, like, notice over the years... There's this weird thing where Sean seems to hate cameramen. <laughs> Call back to hell in a cell. Several, several times. I hadn't times. even thought about that so much. Um, they actually play with it later in the 26 feud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When Taker misses this, the crowd gasps. And by the way, like I said, I, and I didn't so like did this Tim match Roberts for like two or three house. years. Yeah, it was like, <gasps> when Sean missed the moonsault, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I... Hope he's okay. They should just cut to the end of the match. Because I, I swore he had broken ribs. But then the Undertaker dove headfirst onto near concrete. And that was really like, they, that was the moment where I thought, they don't need to be doing this. You know, like they both just almost, it's beyond ending a career. It's affecting possibly the rest of your life. Right. And they both got super lucky. They were both okay. They finished the match. Which even. we'll get to, but I yeah. do remember. I was and they were like another ten minutes, I think. You I, know, I remember so they were rocking it, being almost mad when they were hinting at a rematch because I was like, "Are they trying to kill each other?" Like, right? Like, just stop. Why? Why would you do that? You were Jim uh, Ross in that moment. Going, well, somebody just stop the <laughs> damn feud. For the love of God. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so he does that. Uh, lands on his head. You know? Yeah. <laughs> he he somehow and Sean. Throws the ref into the ring, and this is where he tells the ref, you, count to ten. Count to ten. Count him out. Go count now. And the crowd starts booing Shawn Michaels, which is not an easy thing to get them to do. Like, the whole Chris Jericho heel turn was precipitated, or was based on the fact that the crowd would never boo Shawn Michaels no matter what he did. Right. And so this, again, it's just a spot in a match. It's just for a moment, but they do boo Shawn going for the count. They see it as a cheap win. Josh? I think if he would have got that, that would have looked, okay, they're doing that because Taker's really hurt. Right. Taker turns things around. He gets the tombstone, but Sean kicks out of the tombstone. And Jim Ross screams, I just had an out-of-body experience. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I knew you'd love that. Oh, man. We gotta put that clip in. Actually, I thought that was perfect with, like, the setup to this match and yep. everything. It's also got that really classic, and I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The classic shot of Undertaker yeah, looking the, so, like, distraught. Like, what yeah, like, do I do? What do I have to do to beat this guy? <laughs> so, yeah, um... Sean, at that point, turns it around, and he does the chin music with the 1996 build, where like, he's stomping in the corner oh, and yeah. counting down. So at this point, with all the moves these guys have done, by the way, and Josh brought up it's a lot of major moves, and like you saw that as a detriment, like it's much finisher kick out. I saw it as sort of like each of these guys are almost paying tribute to their entire career before this. They're busting out almost all of their old major moves one by one. Yeah. In this match, it's just a different way of looking at yeah. things. Yeah, because a lot of those I'll are finishers. You know, you're not. You're no. Yeah. Don't waste your time. If you don't like, it, you don't like it. That's fine. I, I mean, if I you don't, don't love, love it. it, yeah. <laughs> let me say it like that. Taker kicks out of chin music. Uh, Taker's chest looks like hamburger meat, by the way, from all the chops yeah. Sean threw at his chest in this match. Taker gets so the match ends. Sean goes for the moonsault. Right, catches him. Taker catches him in midair. Turns around, hits a tombstone, crosses the arms, gets the three, and then after the three, <laughs> Taker like collapses Immediately on the mat. Falls like, over. how did I make it through that match? Yeah, I love that that very last part of it. Um, yeah, and I love that there was no handshake after the match. There's yep. no like respect. It's like they just gave it their all. And one I, guy won, and the other one walked away mad that he didn't win. I will say, like as a Sean fan, I was fine with Undertaker winning this specific match okay um it made sense like all the build-up and everything and i i was honestly like they didn't hint at it along the way but i was fine with like that being sean's last match okay um if it you know what i mean like i was like i'd be fine if he didn't wrestle again did some sort of really raw like promo or whatever the next night and just well josh you and Shawn michaels apparently have a lot in common because i'm gonna Share something at the end of our next episode that's going to play into that a lot. Okay. But um, we'll get to that next episode. The last thing I want to share here, there was this really cool moment where after the match, you know, at WrestleMania, there's always celebrities in the crowd to see the show, and they'll flash to them kind of throughout the night. They'll show some of them. Evander Holyfield, real deal Holyfield, famous boxing world champion, was in the crowd. And so they flash to him while Tigger's music is playing. And so he holds up a fist, kind of does his pose, and then the fan in him just, like, looks at the ring and sort of gets wide-eyed and, like, raises his chin looks at the camera like, did you see that? Did you see what I just saw? That was amazing. And then he goes about kind of holding his fist up again. Um, but it was a cool kind of moment where immediately, you know, Jim Ross was saying, I feel like we just went to heaven. And Holy feels like, man, that was special, wasn't it? Yeah. So right away, I think some people thought that was amazing. And then the next day, the cover of the Houston Chronicle, the show was in Texas. Basically, it's Sean and Taker, and it says Sean and Taker brought the house down. The, however many people were at that mania. So like the next day they 60, were talking about Sean and Taker. Yeah, they were talking about Sean and Taker and what a great match it was. Yeah, just like Sean right. said they would. And that's where we're going to stop yeah, it's, this it's episode. It's really hard to... I'm, Try not to do any, like, looking back type discussions right. on this until we cover 26. Yeah, well. and by the way, both guys disappeared for six months after, the, or like four months after yep. this match. So, you thought maybe... Yeah, yeah. you know, there was nothing to continue. They both I think I thought they disappeared were, like, from TV. Recovering their body. And that's what I figured, too. Yeah. Maybe they both really did get injured really yep. bad on those falls. 
All right, so join us next time when we finish this feud for WrestleMania, pretty much solely WrestleMania 26 discussions um, and build up. Um, in the meantime, keep your feet if, on the ground, keep reaching for the stars. If you could check us out on all the social medias and give us a rate, rate and review. A uh, five-star day Meltzer review. This was recorded in the Tokyo I don't Dome, know. if that helps. If, if this was in the Tokyo Dome, this would be a, a six-star six podcast. Um, <laughs> We're going to break the iTunes <laughs> scoring oh, chart. Six star this life, podcast. Life goals. <laughs> okay, um, and until then... Just keep in mind three things, people. <laughs> there are only three things you can really count on in life. What are they, Vince? Death. Taxes. And Randy Savage. We'll see you next time. See ya.